2: hosting this show for 12 years is that I get to introduce you to friends of mine, colleagues of mine, people that I respect. I'm not interested in going to dinner with another doctor just because they're a doctor. I'm too busy. What I am interested in is in highlighting and showcasing the unbelievable doctors that I work with at Cedar's. For 33 years, I've been at this hospital. It's my home away from home. And at 8.15, one of my dear friends, if I needed spine surgery, this is who I'm going to. He's going to be joining us, the great Dr. Pat Johnson. And even though I was in Hawaii surfing every day this week, nearly drowning, I, uh, I was thinking about this show. I'm thinking about what do I want to talk about? Yeah, we can talk about herniated discs and we will because there's nobody better than Pat Johnson. And where in art and where in sports can I talk about someone who had spine surgery because they had no choice? They didn't just have back pain. They couldn't walk anymore because the nerve motor function was out. Well, first one was this guy. Take you out of this place. singers, too day the guy singing it is Bono he needed emergency spine surgery in 2010 had it done in Germany because not just for back pain but he couldn't walk anymore and in sports Dwight Howard he was in Orlando at the time his back was killing him and he tried his best to not stop But one day, he couldn't do a calf raise. He couldn't walk anymore. The motor function from that nerve was compromised. And that's when you know it's time. And he flew out here to have the great Dr. Robert Watkins help him and do surgery and get him back. But in getting these sound bites together, the one thing that I took away that really touched me was how the bandmates, the teammates of the patient, forget about the illness, forget about the surgery that we usually talk about. I was so blown away by this relationship between the patient, the illness, and the people around them. We don't focus enough in medicine on the effect of that illness on the people that are around the patient. So when I play you these sound bites, I want you to pay attention to how significant an injury is to a family, not just to one person in the family, but to everyone else. Whether they pay the bills, with money, or emotionally. It's not dealt enough in my world of medicine, and we don't do a good enough job about it. Where did Bono get this feeling of love and affection for his bandmates that he wanted to keep going but he couldn't anymore? Listen to him tell the story himself about why he loves those musicians in U2 so much. I became an artist through the portal of grief. Mm. My mother died at my, her own father's graveside. Mm. As he was being lowered into the ground, she had an aneurysm. I was 14. She left me, but she left me an artist. I began the journey, trying to fill the hole in my heart with music, with my mates, my bandmates. Finally, the only thing that can fill it is God's love. And it's a big hole, but luckily, there's a big love. So I looked for sound bites of Bono talking about his back and his spine surgery. Couldn't find it. But I found his bandmate, Edge, talking about Bono's surgery. The love and affection and the effect on the band, that's what touched me the most. This is an interview with Edge about Bono's
3: spine surgery. But luckily enough, he did realize um, at a certain point, I think when he could no longer walk, that actually he needed to go to the doctor. And uh, thank God he did because By the time they got to see him and did the scans they realized that he'd actually got some fairly major damage and uh had he not done anything about it 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 could have actually been very serious and and possibly permanent so wow it was well kind of caught i think uh we were very relieved to hear um, when we finally got the medical you know information that, that he had gone to the doctor when he did He's, he's really um, so in the moment. He was so looking forward to the tour. He's not somebody who ever really um, takes a look backwards or considers sort of physical, um, you know, limitations. That those, um, those are very much of secondary importance to him. He's just about moving forward. You can just hear the
2: love that Edge has for his bandmate and vice versa.
3: At, at, at speed... I, I was joking earlier on that this is probably the most rest he'll have had in decades is, is the, you know, the few weeks after the operation. But the other thing we have to make sure is that he does follow the doctor's orders in terms of the, the program of rehabilitation because knowing him again, he'll probably want to, you know, take some shortcuts and, and sort of get ahead of himself. But, but really from what I understand, it's important that he really does this in a very methodical way and so, we'll be there to chain him down if uh if need be his bandmates
2: now let's listen to dwight howard what you're gonna hear is his friend saying this wasn't just an injury to dwight it was like we all had the injury what a beautiful thing to hear from someone close to you
4: i couldn't understand it i didn't want to understand it but it was happening you know and it was it was we all we always we all felt the injury you know, because we couldn't just believe that he was hurt. You know, but he was hurt. He was really hurt. He had just finished that Philly game, where, you know, you could tell just watching him, you know, that he was going through pain. He decided he would sit a game out, and and I knew it was, I knew it was hurting him when he agreed to sit out. And then, of course, they did the
2: MRI. Now, listen to Dwight himself talk about how frustrating because of the loyalty to his teammates, just like Bono to his bandmates, that bothered him more than the injury itself was the effect it was gonna have on his team.
4: You know, I knew that it was my back. The next day,
2: Doc said, I need you here in
4: LA. My back is in so much pain that I'm gonna have to have surgery. By the time I got to LA, my leg was done.
0: Ten seconds to go in the half. Working against Howard,
1: got the switch. Good defense by Howard, moving his feet, and gets the block. Dwight Howard comes up with a big defensive play, and uh, you know what? He might be hurting a little
0: bit. Howard getting up slowly. And remember, he set out those two games with a bad back.
2: He does not want to sit out. This is the first big injury Dwight has ever had. He's been pretty healthy all this time.
3: Well, he's been one of the most durable NBA centers in NBA history, missing only seven games in his first seven years in the league.
4: I just cried and was like, why? Why this had to happen after all the stuff I' went through for the whole season? I was trying to find every way possible to not have to have
0: surgery.
4: What about my teammates? I was really thinking that the playoffs would come and then we'll just turn it all around.
1: I with this news at noon that Dwight has agreed to stay through the end of his contract.
4: You know, loyalty is, is better than you know anything else. He
1: said it came down to loyalty, loyalty to a team in a city that took a chance on an 18-year-old high school kid eight years ago.
4: You know, we had an opportunity to win. You know, I tried to play through the pain for a while it seemed like it went from bad to worse. You know, I couldn't be there for my team. I couldn't even travel. I put so much work in to be at the top of my game and get my team to the top.
2: Here's Dwight talking about his MRI, and then the great Dr. Watkins Jr. and Sr. talking about his treatment and his recommendations.
4: After he missed that game and waited a couple days, and the first MRI I had, the area was this small and the next one it was like that so it had actually grown most herniated
5: discs improve with just tincture of time you expect people's pain to improve their function to improve uh, overall they just feel better and dwight just wasn't feeling better
1: we cautioned him at the time of that initial visit the thing to check for was any weakness in his calf or any increased symptoms
4: he started limping that's when i knew it was serious because so i was like yo i thought your back hurt I'm limping around the house. Everybody's like, man, you limping pretty heavy, man.
2: Like, what's... we ain't never seen you limp like this. Back pain's back pain. We all get it. Limping, weakness, that's a whole different story.
1: His nerves come through the spinal canal here. And specifically, the S1 nerve passes right here, though. That goes to your calf muscle. Here's a spine model. Here are the nerves coming out. Here are the discs. And his disc herniation is right in here. Large herniation, It was a really big piece, pushing right on his S1 nerve, which goes right down into your calf. And this large herniation here is hitting that nerve and causing the sciatic pain down his leg and causing his calf to be weak.
2: And that is what's so fascinating about anatomy, because it makes a huge difference. Which nerve, which disc, and that's where you need someone who knows, remember what Dr. Ranawat taught me, The eyes don't see what the mind doesn't know. And seeing is not just with your eyes. It's taking the reflex hammer out and seeing that the reflex on one leg is different than the other. It's asking the patient, walk on your tippy toes. Now try walk on your heels. When they say, I can't, that's a motor weakness. Which motor? Well, if it's the calf that's weak, you can't get on your tippy toes. Then you know it's L5S1. Where's your numbness? Big toe or little toe? You got to ask the right questions. If they say little toe, that's L5S1. Numbness in the little toe, can't do a calf raise? You've got a disc at L5S1. I don't even need to see the MRI. But it sure is nice to have that information.
4: Doc said, uh, Dwight, if you can't do a calf raise, you need to have surgery. So... Go home. I go to sleep. I didn't want to think about it. I'm like, man, this is this ain't right. I I knew I couldn't do a calf raise. So Kev calls back. He says, "Do I try to do a calf race? I said, "Kev, I can't do no calf raise." He said, "Oh
2: man, Debo, don't tell me that." I said, "Kev, I'm trying. I'm not working." The depression that you can hear in his voice. Letting his teammates down, his friends down, that loyalty he talked about. Same thing for Bono, but feeling the loyalty from his teammates, his bandmates. That's what's so special. It's an overlooked area of medicine we just don't pay enough attention to. And that's what I want to focus on today. Coming up next, calling in from New York City because he's speaking at a convention, of course. This is my good friend, Dr. Pat Johnson, and we'll get into his world of spine surgery. What exactly was done to Dwight, to Bono, to you and me? There's nobody better in my mind, and he'll be talking to us coming up next. The number is 877 espn You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN.
1: Hey, it's Mace. You know there is no better way to start your Saturday than with Dr. Clapper and the Weekend Warrior Show. 7 to 9
0: a.m. Saturday mornings. And don't miss Mason in Ireland back Monday at 1 on 710 ESPN. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. Soon to be a major motion picture. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper.
2: Without a good hip, you ain't
0: hopping, that's for sure. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710 home of your los angeles lakers
3: but i'll be back again I welcome
2: back weekend warriors i'll be back again the great john lennon well you know who the john lennon of spine surgery is to me you, this guy dr pat johnson pat thanks so much for making time calling in from new york hey robbie
1: great to hear from you just delighted to be on your show with you i'm looking forward to it last month ever since we talked about it
2: oh it's so great what a great treat for everybody to hear your voice and the huge weekend warrior nation to know how much i respect and have warm feelings for you being able to figure out hey this ain't your back go see robbie clapper it's your hip and when they see me this is not your hip. Go see Pat Johnson. It's your back. It's it's just beautiful to have so many patients in common with you. And uh, I know how busy you are, and we really appreciate tremendously you taking the time. Where did this all come from, Pat Johnson? Where did you grow up? How did you decide, I not only want to be a spine surgeon, I want to be a neurosurgeon. Take us back to the beginning.
1: <laughs> well, you know what? It's kind of an interesting story. It's a little uh, unconventional in one respect but uh, my dad was a neurosurgeon and he was a real pioneer and he moved out to Montana in 1948 to be the first neurosurgeon in Montana and a bunch of states around there wow so i, I grew up on a on a cattle ranch in Montana thought I wanted to be a veterinarian, actually. And, uh, of course, my dad was a neurosurgeon, and he was an inspiration to me. So that kind of was in my back of my mind all the time. And uh, I actually have kind of a funny joke. You know, it was really hard to get into veterinary school. So, so I said, <laughs> I think I'm going to have to go be a brain surgeon.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I got to ask you a question, though. Where was your dad from?
1: My dad was, uh, he was an army brat, lived around the world. He was uh, born in Arizona back when it was a territory, wow. back in 1918. And he lived in Australia and lived in Washington, D.C. And his father was a, was a U.S. cavalry officer. And he was at the Pentagon and basically lived around the world, but mostly in the south. And, uh, you know, so he was in Florida and North and Carolinas. And that's kind of where he called home in the United States.
2: When was take me to the moment Pat Johnson where you're studying the brain and the tumors and the vascular accidents and all the amazing things that you do once you open the coconut if you will take the, the you know the bone off the top and you're looking at the brain itself but what was the moment cuz it's always a moment where you fell in love with the the other part, the lower part of the brain, the spinal cord and working on the spine. What happened? What Was it a case? Was it a surgeon? Take us to that moment.
1: Well, you know what? It, it actually even goes back to my dad. My dad was a brain surgeon, and he was in Virginia. He moved to Montana, and I saw him do some brain surgeries. I saw him do some spine surgeries, and when I finally came around to thinking about uh what I was going to do in medicine, I actually was thinking about orthopedic surgery because, you know, I've been a jock all my life. And, uh, and so orthopedics was something that I was really seriously thinking about doing. And then neurosurgery seemed to have this expanding field and I like the intellectual pursuits. Hmm. And then, uh, you know, I kind of came back around full circle and, uh, it gets me back next to orthopedics and great guys like you. Hmm. And, uh, you know, it's the, backbone of, uh, it's the backbone of the industry is what I say in neurosurgery.
2: You know, we don't talk about it enough, but I've been in practice for 33 years. You and I are about the same age. So think of the thousands. I've done over 16,000 surgeries. I'm sure you're at 20,000 surgeries or more. But what we, what's so great about this point in our life when people say, oh, are you going to retire? No, I never want to retire because at this point, Pat Johnson, talk about the sixth sense you now have that you didn't have 20 years ago where you, you, you listen to a patient talk. You watch them go from the exam room chair to the examination table. And you already know, you can almost, like Michelangelo, looking at a block of stone and seeing through the stone and <clears> seeing <throat> the figure trapped underneath, that your sixth sense, that you can see the nerve, the disc, with just by touching their skin. Tell me what that's like for you.
1: Well, you know what? It, it really is a special thing to have done this for a lot of years like you and and you're absolutely right is that when you watch a patient and you hear some of the things you don't even have to touch them sometimes i can just look at them and they tell me where the problem is and uh, i already know the answer and that's not that i know the answer in every single person i wish i did but Mm -hmm. you're right is that so often and this is what i try and impart to my young trainees you know i've been teaching young surgeons for 28 years and, you know, when you can have some ability to just look at somebody and know where the problem is. I already know where it is. Mm-hmm. In fact, somebody sometimes people come in without scans or anything, and I say, you need to go get a scan of, you know, this part of your body, and I know exactly where it is, and it's going to be a problem right here. And the uh, the scanning and the MRIs and the CT scans, that's just a roadmap. That's mm-hmm. all it is, and that's a surgical roadmap for me to go fix something. It's a, it's, it's just uh, it's a gift that... I, I think some of us, not to say that I'm that special, I think there's lots of great surgeons. I'm here staying in New York with one of my great friends. Uh, he's a great surgeon in New York, and uh, we share kind of the same philosophy about things, is that mm-hmm. we're privileged to be where we are and what we're doing like you. I mean, I have great colleague like you is that I call you up and say, Robbie Clapper. <laughs> I have a problem with a patient, and it's not in my realm. He needs a hip
2: or a Thank knee. You. Thank you. No. <laughs> great. It's, it's, it's what makes it so. Cedars is just a building, right? It's the people that populate the building that uh, that make all the difference. You know, the jazz great Miles Davis uh, focused not so much on blowing the horn, but his specialty, what made Miles Davis special was the silence between the notes that he blew, right? That's what he could appreciate. As a surgeon, Pat Johnson, it's it's actually the invisible stuff it, that when you open someone up, that it's what you don't see as, as important as what you do see. Take us through what it's like when you see someone who's got a weak calf. They can't do a, a, a calf straight, uh, you know, uh, get up on their toes, and you know. You know it's a herniated disc at L5S1. Take us through so the listeners can hear your surgery. You feel the skin. You take an x-ray to make sure you're at the right level. Take us through what it's like a simple discectomy under your hands. Yeah,
1: well, you know what? That's sometimes a challenging thing. It's explaining it. Oh, that's a great one. <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> it's kind of like... You know, you heard that thing with Michael Jordan. You know, he could see the shot going in before he ever shot it. You know, that's kind of what you're talking about. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a neat thing to say, I'm going to make a one-inch incision in this person. I'm not going to cut the muscles. I'm going to stretch them over on one side and make a little bit of a, a window opening, and I look inside of the person. I do it through a microscope, and there's a little shingled effect on the back of the vertebra called the lamina. And there's a window in between, a little space, and we enlarge that space, and there's usually a little piece of ligament we have to take out, and that'll expose the back of the nerves and the, the dura, which is a little leathery covering over the nerves. And I, I can see it, you know, before I even know it's there, I'd look at it and say, this disc is going to be in this location, it's going to be up underneath the lateral side of the nerve, or it's going to be in the medial side, you know, and then I gently kind of pull the nerve aside and find a piece of disc underneath. And sometimes it just pops out, you know, you know, kind of like a, a jack-in-a-box.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, then the operation can be over, or you have to fit a little while. So, you know, once you open somebody up, I always say life is like a box of chocolates, you know. You never know what you're going to get. And then when you open them up, <laughs> it's what you see on the scans. It's what you expect. But every one of them is different on the inside. Mm-hmm. Spine surgery is like a, it's like a snowflake. And, you know, every snowflake, even though they look similar, every single one of them is different. Right. And whether it's just that little L5-S1 microdiscectomy operation, I mean, it's different in every single person for some reason or another. They're never exactly the same.
2: The surgeons but, uh, like you, though, Pat, that I admire the most is, okay, now you've unroofed the disc that's pressing on the nerve. Here's where the talent and skill comes in, is now when do you stop? How much disc do you need to go after? And in your mind, you're going, how aggressive can I be so that it doesn't herniate again after the surgery? How much fishing do I do for more fragments? And over the years, I guess that's the blessing, right, that you learn when to stop. Everybody can operate and open the skin, it's actually, the talent is, when do you stop fishing for more, correct?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and I've had a couple of back operations. I've had a lot of operations on me, and, uh, you know i'm thankful for having good surgeons for that and uh, and I, I can appreciate that but you know when somebody has a disc in their body and and it's a piece of it tears off i think of the, the disc as a cushion between the vertebra and it's like a jelly roll mm-hmm. you know a jelly roll has dough around the outside kind mm-hmm. of circular and then there's soft stuff in the middle well a herniated disc is when the is when the dough tears and some of that soft stuff comes out and it may be kind of bulging out or there may be a piece that's pushed all the way out you know that's the problem piece but what you're talking about is really 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 important that the surgeon needs to know how much more disc to take out on the inside that mm-hmm. soft stuff in the jelly roll mm-hmm. and so we reach inside with these little mouth-shaped rongeurs that we kind of gently remove what's loose mm-hmm. because you're right if you if you have disc material that comes out again that's called a recurrent disc herniation and then you know somebody's got another back problem then it's called a failed back surgery and that's You know, and that's why back surgery gets a bad name. And sometimes it's bad luck. And, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, it comes down to the surgeon's judgment as to how much of that disc you take out, how much do you leave, because you need to have a disc in you, and the stuff that's in the perimeter, you know, that uh, jelly roll on the inside, you know, has to come out. And that soft material can come out in another time, and it can come out anywhere from – a day later to a year later or 10 years later. So it comes down to the judgment of those things and how much of that stuff you scrape out on the inside. Cause you have to leave enough disc in there to function around the perimeter. Mm. And, uh, you know, it's kind of a feel, it's really kind of a feel yeah. <laughs> and I learned how much to take out and how much to leave. And, uh, you know, I guess we learn and, that's where it comes from is just you do it so many of them, and you say this is a judgment thing, and this person needs this to function. It's kind of like you know it's kind of like trimming a on a meniscus in a knee. I've had knee surgery, and I know that those guys have to trim the right amount to make it work, so that knee keeps working until they you know have to come see you for a knee replacement
2: <laughs> you know i'm <laughs> I'm sure the weekend warriors can feel the love and and affection and respect that I have for you. And I can talk to you for hours. We had a caller earlier talking about back pain, but she was 61. And I told her, it's very unlikely this is a disc problem at 61, more likely a spinal stenosis problem, because things change. The same diagnosis, if you will, or complaint of back pain or even radiculopathy in a 20-year-old is different than when you're 60. When does the disc go from being that custard cream filling in the jelly donut to being a stale donut and stenotic and bone spurs? What age does it transition?
1: Well, it's a transition through life. And I always tell people, I say, there are two kinds of spine surgical problems that I deal with and that exist. Is that people in their 30s have herniated discs and people in their 60s and around that age have spinal stenosis that's, Mm -hmm usually due to arthritic changes, and they build up, you know, bone spurs around the discs and the vertebrae and narrowing starts. So it's, it's a transition through life, and, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of like gray hair. Some people get it earlier, and some people get it later, and, you know, sometimes people will herniate a disc at age 60 or 72. I mean, so there there are exceptions, but by and large, it's 30-year-old people get disc herniations, and the older people have spinal stenosis and it's a progression and everybody's different as well
2: before i let you go one last question because i could talk to you for hours and it's just such a joy what's new in neurosurgery what's the future of your spine surgery world teach us a little bit about what we have to look look forward to
1: hey there's there's a lot of great things that are happening right now and you know i do a lot of big surgeries small surgeries and you know, some of them involve doing fusion surgery where you basically are going to bolt and glue the vertebrae together because something's failed and that's the only out that you have. And that's been the case for a lot of years. And that that has a bad reputation because what happens if you change the mechanics of the spine, it wears out the next vertebra above or below. So,
6: mm-hmm.
1: you know, we're working with artificial disc technology nowadays, and we ran the first clinical trials in Los Angeles. And it's it's been a long time ago, but they're finally coming to fruition as to when, where, and how to use artificial discs. And I can tell you in Los Angeles and the guys at Cedars, we just have an incredible group of surgeons. And I I think it's probably the leading artificial disc institution in the country. And we do artificial discs in lieu of doing fusions, uh, which is really my preference. I, I hate doing fusions. You do it when you have to. But artificial discs are a big thing. I mean, there's other microsurgical things that we can actually do procedures to trim out space inside of the vertebra and things like that. That you don't need an artificial disc. So it's microsurgery to to do decompression of things, artificial discs, minimally invasive. You know, and when we have to do big surgeries, we have computer guidance and robotics. And actually, that's what I'm doing here in Philadelphia this weekend. Is you know t- giving some talks about robotics and computer guidance. But you know, those are for complicated things that uh, we're actually going to apply to putting artificial discs in people. So we're trying not to fuse people's spine. has really been the goal of my career and my life. Mm.
2: Listen, Michelangelo didn't need a robot to make the David. Pat Johnson don't need a robot to do the best spine surgery. We want to thank you so much, Pat Johnson, for making time to be with us. You're amazing. And the love and respect I have for you, I'm sure they can all hear it in my voice. Thanks so much for being with us this morning.
1: Robbie, likewise, you're you're a mensch. You're one of my heroes, and uh, I love working with you. All right,
2: God bless we'll you. We'll
1: see you on. I'll see you on Monday.
2: <laughs> okay, buddy, can't wait. Thanks so much. Take care. You, you too. Betcha. That's Bye-bye. a great Pat Johnson. Remember, I got permission for Ramona Shelburne. He did Ramona's surgery and many, many other people. He's really a gentleman. Great with his hands. Great with his judgment. And the eyes don't see what the mind doesn't know. He has that vision. Clapper vision, that's what I have. And coming up next, we'll get into it. The number is 877-710-ESPN. I want to teach you. We talked about bone spurs and spinal stenosis. What exactly is a bone spur? I'll explain coming up next on The Weekend Warrior Show. Hey, it's Sedano. You know there's no better way to start your Saturday than when my guy, Dr. Clapper, and the Weekend Warrior Show, 7 to 9 a.m. Saturday mornings.
0: What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. Roberto Clapperio, a fish-tacologist. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. I know the ins and
2: outs of a fish taco.
0: Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers.
3: But I'll
2: be back again. Back again. It's called the back because it ain't the front. It's called you your spine. It's that but nerve column between again. the bottom of your brain and the top of your pelvis. You so All the electronic wiring. Just fascinating. And nobody better than Pat Johnson. All right, let's take some calls. The number is 877 877- 710 ESPN. Who are you going to go to now, Will? Who's next? We've got Abelia. Abelia, you're on with Dr. Clapper. How can I help? Hi, Dr. Clapper. Hi. How old are you? How young are you? What do you do for a living?
5: I am 67. Wow. And I am retired.
2: What did you do when you were working and what your father do and what high school did you grow up?
5: <laughs> I, um... I went to um, Fremont Junior High and Oxnard High School, wow. and I worked for 3M Company slash iMation for 34 years.
2: And what do the 3 m stand for? Oh, gosh, you know, I don't even remember. Oh, my God. <laughs> I think it's Minnesota. Uh, something
5: to do with Minnesota.
2: Yeah, Minnesota Mining. Mining. That's right. There you go. <laughs> that's the old, that's um, where the Post-it um, note for- came from. That was the, the the engineer working for 3M was supposed to make a really sticky glue, but he messed up, and he made a glue, and his boss said, this is terrible. You don't know. We're going to fire you. You don't know how to make a sticky glue. But the other guy said, hey, that glue may not stick so well. Maybe we can use a glue that only sticks part of the way. You've come up with a brilliant idea, and they promoted him, and that's where the Post-it note came from. Did you know that?
5: Post-it note. I did not know that.
2: How could you work there 35 years and I got to tell you something you didn't know about this? I know. What's I know. The isn't with that you?
5: <laughs>
2: Unbelievable. Do you listen to the show? You know what Clappervision is? Um, I listen to it um, sometimes now. I
5: used to listen to it quite
2: a bit. Well, now we have a new app. Did you know that? Instant, I didn't. you can tap on it. Yeah, you can download. Listen, I got the whole speech here Chris Morales gave me. Hang on a second. I got to give this to you. Uh, Okay, let me get a pen. Yeah, Chris Morales, where the hell is this? I think it's an email. Here it is. Uh, What, the Weekend Warrior show in the palm of your hand? It's finally here. You can now listen to 710 ESPN anywhere you are with just one tap. Introducing the all-new 710 ESPN app. Get it right now. Just search ESPN LA in your app store or Google Play or go to espnla.com. See? I got to do the ad just for you. Nice. Yeah, thank you. All right, Abelia. Wow. What a, you sound like such a nice person. It is my honor and pleasure to be able to help you in any way I can. Young lady, you got me. Go ahead. What's Good the matter?
5: Day, Dr. Clapper, I've called in the past and you've helped you helped me tremendously with my neck. Okay. Now what I need help with is my hand. Okay. Um I've got, um, they say I've got arthritis in the base of my thumb, Mm -hmm. and what they want to do is they want to take a ligament and wrap it around the bone to give it
0: cushion.
2: So there is an operation that uses a cadaver meniscus from the knee. Can you imagine? Because it's the perfect shape to mimic the cushion that you're missing at the base of your thumb. And the surgeon who came up with this idea works at Cedars. He is the man, and it's the same guy that I gave the name out earlier for the ulnar nerve, the funny bone nerve release, to the previous caller. His name is David Culber, K-U-L-B-E-R. Tell him you're a weekend warrior. Tell him you're Dr. Clapper's cousin because you know he's busy like I am. It's hard to get an appointment, but you call and you say you're Dr. Clapper's cousin They'll go, you know, Dr. Clapper has a lot of cousins when they call this uh, station. They call this office. But he he's the right person for you to see to get another opinion. You, know, you get to go to whoever you want, but I certainly would get an opinion from David. All right? Okay. All right, young lady. Keep me all posted. All right,
5: Dr. Clapper. Thank you so much. God bless. Have all a right. wonderful
2: day. Listen, I need you to find a total stranger today. Do something nice for them. That's how you be thanking me. All right? OK, we'll do that. All right, young lady. All right. Should bye we take bye. a break? Will we take another call? What do you want to do here? We'll take one more. All right. The lines are lit up. I love it. Who do you want to take now?
3: We got Tim.
2: Let's go to Tim. You're on with Dr. Clapper. How can I help?
6: Hi, doctor. Uh, quick question. Um, How I young are you? What do you do, do have... for a living? Um, I'm a technology broker.
2: Wow, what exactly does that mean?
6: So it's like a mortgage broker finds you information for the best mortgage in your house. I have a, I'm have an authorized dealer for every company in the United States on the whole, technology. approximately.
2: To invest in, in the technology? Is that what you're up no. to? No.
6: No, it's a service provider. So you can take anything from IBM all the way down to a, a phone in your office. How long are you and doing this crazy that. job? It's uh, from 2018.
2: Yeah, well, that's only three years ago, four years ago. Yeah. What do, you, what do you really do? What did you do before this when you finished college? I have a big sales
6: background, so, you know, that could have been anything from when I was younger, uh, doing appliances all the way through to technology type, you know, cell phones when they came out, the big brick, brick phone, I sold that wow. to all the people that wanted cell phones. And, and how old are you, did you say? I'm a 58-year-old male.
2: And you grew up where?
6: In Santa Monica. What'd your father do for a living? He's a musician.
2: Wow. Do, or former. Do you, former pl- do team you play with Tito
6: Puente and all those guys back Wait, in the day. Tito
2: Puente. Oh, my God. Fania All-Stars. Will, you got to get that song. Elia Fue. Tito Puente. <laughs> this is one of my favorite songs. That you got to hear this song. This is Tito Puente's band, Fania All-Stars. Will's going to bring it up. But while he's doing that, I need to hear what's the matter with you and how I can help you.
6: Actually, I had a uh... A Point, you know, past COVID, I added a few pounds. Uh, previous to that, I'd lost about 110 pounds at the gym, but mm-hmm. and my knee pain dissipated. That's great. right. When I added the 30 pounds back, the right knee uh, just basically gave up on me. So I was about four days, I couldn't walk literally. So I went and had an MRI done. There's fraying on the I, I'm not familiar with the name, but it's the left if you put your hand on your knee on the right and move it to the left, there's a bony section near the kneecap. Yeah. There's fraying there, and then there's oh, um, uh, moderate to severe
2: OA in the knee. So moderate means that, a pothole. That. You want some Clapper Vision? You listen to the show, you know what Clapper Vision is? Absolutely, 100%. So the the fraying in your meniscus is like the linoleum in the kitchen. I want to talk about the plywood underneath. When you right. When they use the word moderate to severe, they're saying you don't just have a pothole, that's moderate arthritis, severe. Moderate to severe means the pothole is starting to take over the whole road. So okay. don't, you don't want to talk about your meniscus because you're beyond the meniscus. You're into how many termites do you have? Do you have any wood left underneath? So don't gotcha. let them give you a shot of cortisone, synvis, stem cells, PRP. Be holistic. <laughs> There's a book I wrote with Lindy Ewey called Heal Your Knees. You need to take some weight off, half an hour, three days a a week. You need to walk in a pool, ride a bike on the days you don't do the pool, and stay the hell away from surgery. If you can't because it's buckling or your back is killing you and you lost the weight and it still hurts, then you can go on my website and you'll see a lady riding a bike the day after I did her implant. We can talk about surgery, but I don't want to talk to you about surgery just yet. I need you to see if you can avoid it. And this is awesome to be able to avoid it. Now, i got plenty of patients who do, who have moderate to severe osteoarthritis, who I have avoided surgery for them, not with Mickey Mouse injections or pills to take from the drug company, but by losing weight and doing the pool and the bike. So that, young man, is what you're going to need to do. Did you find Elio Fuey? Will? Did you find the song? Oh, he's still looking. And I love that Hey, one quick question. Moving
6: yeah. forward with age, don't you think, uh, being that we know that this is a permanent issue, uh, you should get it done earlier versus later no. in life? No, no. don't let coverage. them talk
2: you into that. That's a bunch of nonsense. How the hell do okay. you know how long you're going to live? I got patients over 100 <laughs> years old, and then I got That's people who drop dead tomorrow. So right. no one's allowed to predict the future. Your goal is to stay the hell out of the operating room if you can. And to do it realistically, holistically. But if you can't, then you've got people like Dr. Clapper and Dr. Pat Johnson <laughs> who are, we're, were there for you. But let's That's hope that 18. you don't need it. All right? Doctor, I'll do my part. I appreciate your time. All right, Tim. God bless you. Stay away from Likewise. surgery if you can. Get the book. Do the do the exercise. Take the weight off. If it still hurts, then you call here and we'll talk about surgery options. It'll be my pleasure. All right? Thank you, sir. All right. God bless day. you. All right, Warriors, we'll take a break. Coming back, we're going to be listening to something he talked about. Probably his dad played in this band with Tito Puente and Fania All-Stars. I love this song, Elia Fue. You'll be hearing it coming back next. The number is 877-710-ESPN. Hey, it's John Ireland. You know there is no better way to start your Saturday than with the man who replaced Michael Thompson's hip, Dr. Clopper and the Weekend Warrior Show, 7 to 9 a.m. Saturday mornings. Don't miss my show, Mason and Ireland, back Monday at 1, all here on 710 ESPN. What's going on, L.A.?
0: This is Kobe Bryant. You're not going to leave me alone, are you? Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper.
2: The Grand Poobah, the Big Kahuna.
0: Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers.
2: And Fania All Stars. Tito Puente, big name in the salsa world. But he really hit it big when Carlos Santana took his song, which nobody was listening to, named Oye Como Va, and Carlos Santana turned it into the mega hit that it became. Tito Puente finally got discovered through Carlos Santana. But before then, he was doing El Fue at the Fania All Stars. Proud member of the Puerto Rican community. Just love Tito Puente. Thank you, Tim, for bringing him up. There you go. This was a salsa song. Good job, Will the Tito Puente wrote. Carlos Santana heard it. He said, the hell with salsa. I'm gonna put my own spin to it. And this is what came of it. Because salsa is about the horns. Carlos Santana did was he took all the horn leads in Oya Va Tito Puente wrote and put it on his guitar. That's what's great when you can cross-fertilize. Next week, wait till you hear the show for next week. There's a movie out there now called The House of Gucci. Lady Gaga's in it. And she's great. But the very last song that they play in that movie which I watched on the airplane is a song by Tracy Chapman that she sings with Luciano Pavarotti oh my god when you can take different genres and bring them together and we're going to talk about Tracy Chapman next week when I talk to Dr. Karazi one of the few surgeons in this town who knew Kobe for more than a decade. Now, why would I be thinking about Tracy Chapman and Kobe Bryant? Because Tracy Chapman and what happened to her at the Nelson Mandela 70th birthday party, they invited her, young girl, acoustic guitar, hey, I will do you a favor, come. You'll be able to s- sing your songs at Nelson Mandela's birthday Party, 100 million people will be watching this. So she goes and she does her three songs. But guess what happens? The guy coming on next was Stevie Wonder. Stevie Wonder had a disc to put into the recorder to play the background song. I don't know what it was. They put it in. It didn't work. Stevie Wonder says, I'm sorry. that I prepared. If it's not working, I can't come on. The producer of the Nelson Mandela 70th birthday party says, "Uh uh-oh, we got a problem. We don't now have Stevie Wonder. And they turn to the girl that they did a, they felt a favor for, let Tracy Chapman play right out of Tufts College. She's young, with an acoustic guitar, no less. You got to be kidding me. In the late, in the 80s, no one's listening to an acoustic guitar, let alone Tracy Chapman. She played her three songs. That's really nice. Nice round of applause. Now they got a crisis. They said to her, hey, young lady, we got to fill some time. You got any more songs that you know? She said, yes. I wrote a song. It's called Fast Car. She plays Fast Car. And guess what happens? 20 million records are sold. She becomes an overnight sensation. This prodigy takes over the world with an acoustic guitar. Well, when you see that movie, like I did, House of Gucci, the very last song they play is Tracy Chapman. Baby, Can I Hold You Tonight? With who? Luciano Pavarotti, the opera singer. They do it as a duet blows your mind. And you got to see her face in the YouTube video. She probably cannot believe that the greatest opera singer of all time loves her music. That's what happened when Jerry West took 17-year-old Kobe Bryant and said, all right, everybody says you're great. Let's see. And in the Inglewood Gymnasium here in L.A., takes the greatest defender in the NBA at the time, Michael Cooper, and says, all right, they say this kid is great. One-on-one. Kobe Bryant at 17, you go up against Michael Cooper. After 10 minutes, Jerry West says, I've seen enough. This kid's the greatest basketball player I've seen since Michael Jordan. That's what happened to Tracy Chapman. Next week, that's what we're going to talk about. What exactly... Is it like to be around a prodigy, someone with the greatest God-given talent who works the hardest with it? It's going to be a great show next week. Probably shouldn't give it all away, but I can't wait to hear the sound bites, to share them with you. She is unbelievable, and that song, go ahead and, there's your homework assignment, go ahead and YouTube it before next week's show to hear in Italian Luciano Pavarotti saying the same words sorry that's how the song starts in Italian mind blowing alright we got to talk about food don't want to leave it out I don't think I left too much out today oh I didn't talk about bone spurs I guess I'll have to do that next week I'll have to remember But let's talk about food. Pat Johnson himself tried to describe what a herniated disc is like. There's a hard crust on the outside, and there's that cream filling on the inside. But the disc in your body ain't as big as a jelly donut. That's a bad Clapper vision. You know what the right size is? A donut hole. Now, my favorite is when they're filled with raspberry. But your disc ain't red. It's not bleeding. There's no blood supply in the disc, which is why they're such a problem, because they don't heal when they herniate. There's no blood supply. They're white. Well, there is someone in L.A. who makes a donut hole filled with white custard. That's right. And guess who it is? Good Time Donuts in Ventura. Sue, the genius that she is, makes a custard a white custard, and injects it into her donut holes. You better go quick and go early because she'll run out if I keep talking about it. I love the raspberry, but if you want to know a clapper vision and eat it and hold it in your hand and see what a disc is and what it's like when the disc oozes out of the annulus fibrosis and pinches the nerve and causes that pain that allowed Dwight Howard to limp and lose the muscle in his calf, And same thing for Bono that needed emergency surgery. You want to know what it really looks like, the Clapper vision, to eat? It's a donut hole with custard, good time donuts, in Ventura. And tell Sue you're a weekend warrior. Until next week, what a pleasure this was. And what a great thing it is to be able to look at medicine and my world of surgery from the perspective of the bandmate, the teammate, and the loved ones in the family. It's great to see the different perspective. And I think that's what I'm going to do going forward on this show is become more a philosopher about the topic. To get to the side door, not the front door and back door, but the side door of the topic. The stuff that I need to open your eyes and see because the eyes don't see what the mind doesn't know. Until next week. I leave you with Volare, which means I'm singing and I'm flying. And until next week, I'll see you on the radio.